but we'll go to about a year before I was actually diagnosed. I went through the whole year of um, 19, 2019, and was trying to figure out what was going on. What was my body doing? You know, trying all different kinds of diets. Evan, I went to the, you know, the regular doctor. I went to the um, functional doctors. You know, I tried chiropractic. I mean, honestly, I tried everything, everything, everything. And people say, well, what were you having issues? I was having bloody mucus. That's not normal. Friends, that's not normal when you have bloody mucus. Anytime, if you have mucus in general, you know, it's shedding the lining of your intestines. It's not good, um, but blood, definitely not good. Hello and welcome to the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. We bring you interviews from people who have conquered the trickiest of health challenges using the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition philosophy and similar healing modalities. You're going to hear from experts who have been through the ringer with their health issues and yet managed to come out on the other side. If you're interested in natural healing and or functional medicine, congrats, you are in the right place. You can always visit us at functionaldiagnosticnutrition.com. But for now, here is today's episode. Right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. And we're doing a full swap here today. This is awesome. We have Karen Banghart with me today, and I was just on her podcast. And then you've had um, a few FDNs on as well, some big time FDNs. So who were those fine individuals that you've had on so far? We've had both the um, lovely Ray Wynn and also the gentleman who came out with FDN, right? Yes. yes. Reed Davis himself. So Reed Davis, even though I feel Reed at this point, especially if you were someone who went through the course, he has like the same spiels all the time, but they love following him. So, um, I don't want to, I don't want to leave it till the end. We'll of course shout these things out again at the end, but what is your podcast called and what can people expect to find there? My podcast is the healthy Al life podcast. And it's, it's just how it sounds, right? We want to lead a life that we can say healthy yeah to. Cool. And I, I always love shouting out other podcasts. I think I said this on yours, even towards the end. I look at this as like modern day TV. So don't watch TV. It's mm -hmm. bad for your brain. But the podcast, it's not like you just have one that you listen to all the time. You need different episodes. So go check out other people that are doing awesome things in the space. Um, I will read our friend's bio here today. This is a more of a serious story. And I, I say serious in the sense that anytime... Well, you guys will see what I mean in a moment. I'll mention it. <laughs> so Karen Banghart is the CEO of Health Yeah Life and a certified integrative nutrition health coach. After being diagnosed with colon cancer in January of 2020, she knew that she did not want others to go through what she had gone through. Shortly after her colon um, resection surgery, she went on a health journey, which led her to eat a gluten-free diet, become an avid ingredient analyzer, I love that, and continue her education to become certified as a gut health advisor. She is passionate about empowering others to live their healthiest life by understanding the importance of their diet and what it does to our overall health. So I should have welcomed you formally to begin with, but welcome to number 287 of the Health Detective Podcast. We're really glad to have you. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Evan. Yeah. And the reason I, I worded that as serious, that is certainly... Uh, not to lessen the stories that come on here, including my own. Mine was serious in many ways. But the cancer thing to me, I always say this, mm -hmm. there's just... um 
there's a different level to it because one, there's the societal expectation. When you get that diagnosis, if you get it, hopefully uh, most of our listeners don't, I, there is almost no way that someone's mindset could be strong enough to override the fear that must come with that in the beginning. Then you add to it, you kind of know that there's a time limit on the condition versus when I was dealing with panic attacks, depression, all this stuff, as bad as it was, I didn't really think that I wasn't going to be here um, in a year or two. I knew that I had the choice to be here and I can keep going through this stuff. So I'm really fascinated to see what you learned because just talking to you before, you seem very healthy now and I'm sure you learned a lot uh, along the way. So I already have some insight on you. I know that the colon cancer was actually not the first thing colon wise that happened with you. So I'd like to start with our uh, normal first question on the show. And that is, when did your health symptoms start and what did they look like when they began? Mm, When did my health issues start? Oh my gosh, Evan, you know, and you and I talked about it when you were on my podcast. The biggest thing is I don't think a lot of people pay attention to their issues. We're going to put them that way, right? Your issues and, and what you have going on in your body. Sadly, we think this is my body. This is how it is. But I can remember in my young twenties having, you know, some gut issues, some intestinal issues, bloating, things like that. And back then, and even bleeding. And so back then I went, I I think I was 25 when I went in and talked to the doctor, the GP, you know, your general practitioner. I said, doc, this is what's going on. Oh, let's do a colonoscopy. You kind of remember I was 25 and we did that and nothing. It showed nothing, Evan, which is good, right? So then you go on two decades later and I just lived with this. I lived with this thinking this is my body. This is how my body is. You know, sometimes I get bloated. Sometimes I feel like I have to use the restroom and we'll get a little TMI and I'm okay with it. Back, oh gosh, four years ago, you wouldn't have, wouldn't have got me to talk about anything, anything private like this. And so it's really changed, which is okay, because I think we need to get the word out. We need to empower people. We need to stop making it weird because we all have bowel movements. We all use the restroom. A lot of people sadly have you know, IBS or something like that. Um, There's so many gut issues anymore, which we can get into that and why, why that happens. But, you know, fast forward it for, you know, the two decades and I suffered in silence. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think this is conceptually speaking, something that happens to almost everyone uh, that comes on this show, unless it was a major diagnosis as their first thing, which, which is rarely the case. There's normally buildup of things over time. Uh, You do get this, it sounds really odd looking back saying this too, but I was in the same boat. Oh, this was just me, right? Evan's mm-hmm. just anxious. Evan just has skin issues, whatever it might be. And we become oddly accepting of these things that we're dealing with, even if they're kind of sucky, like they're not fun to deal with, but it's just, oh, that's my body. That's how I am. And it's amazing that this can happen to people, uh, both of us when we were young too, because you'd think we would have more fight in us in a certain sense saying, well, hey, you're 25. Hey, I was five. Maybe this shouldn't be happening, mm-hmm. but it is a phenomenon I've seen with a bunch of different people um, that come on this show where you just start to accept that this is what happens. And I don't think that we necessarily accepted it on day one, right? Otherwise we wouldn't have gone to the doctor. If we just accepted right. it blatantly, we would have been like, oh nope, this is just my gut issues or whatever. So it's more that we go to Western medicine and then we accept what they told us. And unfortunately mm-hmm. through really no fault of their own, uh, 
what they're telling us is not necessarily always the complete story about health, especially if someone's willing to engage in the more natural and functional means. So you go for multiple decades uh, just dealing with this. It's a part of your life. And then, bam, here comes that big diagnosis. So um, if I may ask, was that a routine checkup or did something in particular trigger you to go to whatever that appointment was that led to um, the colon cancer diagnosis? You know, I don't remember back then, Evan. I think I went specifically because of that. Okay. You know, but I could have mentioned it at a routine exam. Um, but yeah, you know, we talk about it. It's like, it's the norm, you know, it's the norm that we've created for ourselves, but I didn't want to share. It was embarrassing. You know, I was a young female, you know, mom, and I just didn't share. And sadly, and now I'll scream from the rooftops. I'll tell everyone, please, please, please listen to me. These are things you can do. And not necessarily that it created my cancer, but it definitely didn't help. So if we do you want to go into a little bit of why I think and what it was that caused these issues? Please, 100%. Okay, perfect. Well, one of the things is I ate your typical fad diet, right? Your standard American diet. You and I talked about it, covered crap. That, that was how my family cooked. I call it co covered crap because it was the it, things that you went in and got out of your cupboard. That is not, that is not nutrition. It is not food. It is not, it is not a recipe. When you take a can, a box, whatever it is, you know, and create a recipe. And sadly, that's, that's how our society became. You know, my mom was a working mom. And even back to my grandma, you know, when I think about how our family started eating this way, you know, it was convenience. It was easy. You had packaged meals, you had, and not, not saying we didn't eat what we thought was okay and good stuff. Um, my dad has never eaten a vegetable. My, my father's 80 years old and he's never eaten a vegetable. It doesn't mean I didn't as a child, my mom was good, but you know, my mom was busy, you know? So sadly it's just our eating, our lifestyle, you know, the drive-through diet. How many people do that? You know, it's quick, it's easy. It's all those things. I was a young mom. I was busy. You know, I had things to do. So I really think, oh, no. one of the big things that I didn't know I did until I had cancer and then kind of hindsight was sugar. I never thought I was a sugar fiend. You know, Evan, we can, you and I talked about it, you know, on my podcast, I wasn't overweight. I exercised. Um, I was generally healthy. So for someone to look at me, which is sad, someone to look at me and go, Mm, Karen has cancer or Karen is unhealthy. It just, it, I didn't portray that, you know? So again, I think people need to think long and hard and pay attention to their symptoms. If you have any kind of digestive symptoms, you need to think about what you're eating. You know, again, I like sugar. <laughs> I often, I often laugh about it. You know what my favorite thing was? Honest to Pete. This was my favorite thing. Ketchup. <laughs> and I didn't know. Good, honestly. <laughs> I didn't know though, Evan, I didn't know it was full of sugar. I didn't, I didn't go out and eat candy bars. You know, I didn't, I didn't eat what I thought. Yeah. I brought all kinds of other things in my home, you know, but put a little ketchup or a lot of ketchup on a little bit of burger or whatever you were eating. Sadly, you know, and, and now we talked about, you know, decoding ingredients. Sadly, I didn't know they were putting high fructose corn syrup in there. Yeah. You know, um, I drank a lot of soda. As, as a kid, oh my gosh, I drink soda. And again, into my 20s, you know, and it just, my body could not handle those kind of things. 
I appreciate your your willingness nowadays, especially to share your story, right? Because this connects not only from the struggle side of going through these health challenges, but also anyone that is listening to you here or when we were doing our podcast, I, I don't think would perceive you as anything less than an intelligent, educated, hardworking person. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because you're also coming on here saying, Full transparency, I didn't realize ketchup was just pure sugar. There are plenty of intelligent, educated people out there that we don't know these things. We don't think about it. It's just what we grew up with. It's just what you do. Mm-hmm. And um, this is like so many categories in life, right? Whether it's spirituality, politics, food, like we don't really think. It's hard to think, right? Um, it takes a lot of effort to look at the stuff that we're doing and analyze it and say, is this right? Could I be off the mark with this? I don't think that is the natural human preference because it you know, it takes energy. It takes focus from the things that we need to do on a daily basis, which is, you know, biologically speaking, I think we're worth more than this, but biologically speaking, surviving and procreating, right? If it's not about those things, we're not spending nearly enough time with it. Despite our modern society, we're still focused on those biological drives. So I appreciate the transparency when people come on and they can really start rattling stuff off. And again, sounding super educated on this, but then they let you know, this is where I started. I never thought about this. And you and I did share this last time. I went through the same thing. And I, every time I bring this up on the podcast, I know there must be someone that's like, oh, poor you. But really, the grass is always greener on the other side because for people like myself and Karen, when you are underweight or super lean your entire life, diet is never the thought process with a health issue. And I'm not saying that this bias is fair in society, but if someone was, let's go to the extreme, you know, four or 500 pounds and got a colon cancer diagnosis, virtually Mm. anyone, even the oncologist would say, you need to eat better. I I genuinely believe that the oncologist would say that. But if Karen and I get that, you don't hear that. So not only is it unfair to the person who is overweight because it's biased towards them, uh, but it's actually unfair to us in our own way because you think there's nothing that I can do about this. It's completely powerless. It's my genetics. It's what happened. And not that I I really don't like making people um, relive this, so to speak, but I, I do know from our audience's feedback over time that these are powerful things to share. So to the degree that you're able and willing, what were your initial thoughts when you do receive that diagnosis? Because we're going, you know, three and a half years later now, and obviously you're in a much better place, which is beautiful, but uh, that's not the most fun thing uh, to hear, especially as, you know, you said young was 25, obviously you're still young now. And so that's not something that you want to hear. So what was going through your head when that happened? Well, I'm 55 and I'm proud to be 55. So nice. we're talking 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But um, let's back up a little bit too. I went back to when I was 25, but we'll go to about a year before I was actually diagnosed. I went through the whole year of um, 19, 2019 and was trying to figure out what was going on. What was my body doing? You know, trying all different kinds of diets. Evan, I went to the, you know, the regular doctor. I went to the um, functional doctor's. You know, I tried chiropractic. I mean, honestly, I tried everything, everything, everything. And people say, well, what were you having issues? I was having bloody mucus. That's not normal. Friends, that's not normal when you have bloody mucus. Anytime, if you have mucus in general, you know, it's shedding the lining of your intestines. It's not good. um, But blood, definitely not good. And so I went through the whole, almost the whole year. I think it was November of 2019. I actually came to my husband. He knew I was having this issue. And I said, honey, I I think I need to go to the regular doctor because I need him to have, um, go ahead and have, let me get a colonoscopy, you know, write those orders. And sure enough, you know, I went in, but let me tell you guys something. 
when I called and made the appointment with my general practitioner, and I have to tell you guys, I've had this doctor for 30 years. Okay. His nurse answered the phone, asked me what my, what my issue was. Why did I need to come see the doctor? And when I told her I had bloody mucus, her first reaction was, do you have hemorrhoids? And she was very unkind, very unkind. And I thought, do I? And I think I sat there, Evan went, I don't know. Do I? I, I don't know. You know, but I have to tell people you have to have to have to advocate for yourself. You must advocate for yourself because I knew something was wrong. I knew I needed to get in there. Could it have been hemorrhoids? Absolutely, Evan. Was there any harm in me going in? I was 51. They they now actually um, made the colonoscopy when you go and have your you know preventative colonoscopy 45. Back oh, then what? it was 50. Yeah, so I was 51. I had missed that mark. I had missed that mark. I was 51. So it wasn't like I was worried about having it. And but if I if I wasn't the strong, maybe stubborn, maybe a little stubborn person I am, I would have said to her, okay, maybe it's hemorrhoids and hung up and not went to that appointment. Okay. And that appointment saved my life. I went to the appointment. Of course he did this, you know, got me in to see the GI doc. I did my um, colonoscopy and (laughs) this will blow your, your audience away. My audience knows it. They know my story, but I was woke up by the GI doctor and told I had colon cancer. My husband's standing next to my bed. I'm loopy. And, and, and you're coming right out of the colonoscopy. You mean? Oh yeah. He he woke me up. He woke me up and said, of colon cancer. I turned to my husband and, and again, you know, I'm loopy and, and I am who I am. I look at my poor husband. His mouth is just, I mean, a gate, you know, gaping open. Um, his, his whole body just fell. And I looked at the doctor and I said, how do you know I have colon, or colon cancer? <laughs> you know, but again, I was loopy and he's like, you have colon cancer. I'm telling you, you have colon cancer. So I get dressed, we go, we're going to go tell my parents. I look over to my husband who's, you know, driving the car. And I said, this is not my demise. This is not taking me out. How I knew that, Evan, I don't know. But I just felt it in my heart. This is not taking me out. Again, am I stubborn? Is it just, I don't know. But I was like, hey, we found out what was going on, you know, and that became the beginning of a wonderful journey. And people may go, cancer was, was a, actually a good thing it was in how it turned out um i did you mentioned i had colon resection surgery so i didn't go on the holistic side i very well could have but i went i followed their protocol i went to the doctor the surgeon we got signed up i mean it was less than i think it was 28 days from the time i was diagnosed to the time i had colon resection surgery so they took out about a foot of my colon it had not spread thankfully. So, so they didn't have me do chemo, radiation, all the things. And if they would have suggested, I probably would have, because I did, I wasn't in schooled in cancer. And you mentioned it at the beginning, cancer. And I'm going to say this cancer is a C word. Mm-hmm. Everybody else may think it's another C word, but cancer is a C word. And when someone says that word, people right away think of death, right away think of death. And you're treated different, your, your family, your friends, everyone is totally different, but you know, it just, it's, it's a crazy diagnosis. So I just want people to remember if you have any, any issues, I don't care if it's just, you know, 
some bloating or something, you need to pay attention to one, what you're eating. And we can get into this too. Um, But ingredients is such a, such a huge part. And you and I talked about it when you were on my podcast, you know, we're, we're raising a younger generation, the younger generations. And what are they doing? They're doing the drive-through diet. You know, they're hurrying. They may be in sports, Evan, but I've witnessed, I witnessed my granddaughters who play sports. They will eat the cruddiest food. The people in the stands eat the cruddiest food. The children are eating the cruddiest food. They think they're doing well by ordering Chick-fil-A for everyone. (laughs) We could get into that too. You know, just because it's chicken doesn't mean it's good. So, you know, our younger generations, just like I said, I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. We need to empower them. We need to educate them. They need to understand the importance of ingredients, what food does. It's It makes up your whole body. Your, your cellular level is the food you eat. You know, and I didn't know. I thought you just ate because you were hungry. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. First of all, thank you. Uh, thanks, because I know... It can't ever be easy sharing those initial moments and the thoughts that go into that. But I always know that someone is clicking on this today and listening today uh, while going through those initial moments, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's powerful to hear, no, 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 it's not just all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. This is what happened after years of dedication to this work, changing things probably a million times and and looking into stuff. So yes, you can go through this terrible part and then get to this better part. Uh, It's amazing to me too, and I'm not a doctor, but... I can't imagine, because I've, I told you before, I had colonoscopy as well. I can't imagine coming out of that, considering how sedated I needed to be so that they could actually do that procedure to me, um, and just being told that immediately. Like, I was not myself for at least 60 minutes after coming out of that. So I, what a what a crazy experience. Uh, but it kind of, you already segued it perfectly into our main topic of today, because yes, you have your health story, but we still wanted to talk about um, the health of our younger generation. How can we empower them um, to eat healthy and stuff? So I think some of that information and advice that you'd give to the younger generation probably came from what you learned over the next several years and what you went through. uh, This is not medical advice people, but what you went through to be clear is very similar to what most people who come on here with a cancer story uh, did. There was a mix of Western medicine, but there was also a mix of natural and functional medicine, full transparency. So this is coming from detective Ev himself. If I got a cancer diagnosis tomorrow, especially considering how health conscious I am, and that would be very shocking you know, I would probably look at my options. I'll, I'll just say mm-hmm. that. And I'm not going full holistic hippie. I'm going to say, what are the least harmful of this uh, version? What's the least harmful here? Uh, biggest bang for my buck. That's what I'm going to try to do. So these are complicated situations. And I think something like cancer, especially, uh, really takes, you, you got to sit down and actually look at it and say, what is the best options for me personally? Mm-hmm. So you did get the surgery, totally fine. But the fact that you're still here today and doing well, uh, something changed. So what did you learn over these last several years? And and did you get the IIN certification during these last several years? Or did you already have mm-hmm. that? Okay. No, cool. I actually, you know, the funny thing is, Evan, I started my brand Healthy Out Life before I had cancer, before I got diagnosed. So like three months prior, I was like, you know, because I was on this health journey, I was on this journey of let's, let's be better to our bodies, you know, and then I get diagnosed with cancer and I'm thinking, whoa, after having colon resection surgery, you know, well, it was 2020 for, for one, it changed everyone, you know, during the pandemic. And it was at the very beginning, it was the um, January, I actually had surgery February 3rd of 2020. 
And after having surgery, what do they tell you to eat, Evan? They're going to tell you eat, eat, eat toast, eat um, crackers, eat, you know, what they consider to be um, lighter foods, maybe. Mm -hmm. And so I did that. I did those things. And I started feeling really bad, really, really bad within a couple of weeks. And I was like, what is going on? So bloated. And I can tell people my symptoms and then they're going to go, wow, this is crazy. So I, I have um, hearing loss. My vision was skewed. Um, definitely had, I was bloated and just, just fatigue. Like I've never felt before. And I was just sent home to heal. You know, I was basically, okay, you had your resection surgery at, like I told you, they took out the cancer part. Um, and then, and then I was led on to just live my life. Granted, I go every, you know, three months, six months and do my, my CT scans and my blood work and all that, which friends, my blood work never showed I had cancer. And I didn't know that unless your cancer spreads, typically, this is what the oncologist told me later, then it would be in your, you know, if they did your blood, because it never showed any of these things. If I had not had this colonoscopy, I would not have known. And it was one millimeter. So, you know, nothing of coming through my colon. Cancer grows through your colon, can colon cancer, and then it spreads. It spreads to your lymph nodes. It spreads to your organs. That's what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't know that eating these foods, and it's not like I didn't eat bread and toast and, and crackers and, you know, things before. But again, I just started feeling really bad. And my intestines felt really heavy. That was something I didn't share with um, people. I had this heaviness, this super heaviness in, in my gut, you know, almost like, okay, again, we're going to go TMI, like something's falling out of you kind sure. of heaviness. Um, and I know you're a guy, you're probably like, I don't get it, Karen. My husband's like, I don't understand what you're saying, but it's just this really super heaviness. And again, my intestines were inflamed. It wasn't just from having colon resection surgery. It was adding these foods. My oldest daughter who eats a gluten-free diet came to me and she said, mom, you need to think about eating gluten-free. You really need well, to She's think the one about that told this. you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, okay, okay, sis, yeah, I'll try it, you know. And that's where it started, Evan. As, as Even though it started with the cancer, you know, just figuring out, okay, you can't just eat. Because I'll tell you what, when I talked to the GI doctor and told him how I was feeling, he was like, I think you need to go to the gynecologist. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm saying here. This is not. And, and, and then looking back, it was like, I had had that heavy feeling before Evan, you know, it's like, Hmm, this is not, this is not normal. Yeah. And yeah, she was the one that said, mom, you need to do this. And honestly, after going gluten-free within probably a couple of weeks, because it does take a little mm -hmm. while, um, I noticed an improvement. I could hear, I could see my vision wasn't blurry. I wasn't bloated. I wasn't having all these issues. So I started really going in heavy. And then that's when the ingredient side came in because people think gluten-free, first of all, they may think it's a diet, like losing weight kind of diet. And it will be, it definitely will be. But just because you eat a gluten-free diet, they have gluten-free Oreos. Mm -hmm. They have gluten-free garbage, highly processed packaged food. And people think that that's eating healthy because it's 
gluten-free. I'll put that in quotes, gluten-free. So I went down that whole rabbit hole, right, Evan? It was like, okay, you know, what are people doing? Why should we eat a gluten-free diet? And maybe not everybody should. But sadly, and you and I, I think we talked about this on my podcast, you know, our our um, wheat and corn and all the things that are, are we're, they're full of glyphosate. They're full of glyphosate. GMOs, think, you know, it's not, it's not the wheat or whatever that we know from yeah. decades ago. And I get it. I get that they've changed things and, and they spread their, you know, poison on it, their pesticides. But I even say, are we gluten intolerant or glyphosate intolerant? You very, know, we just, very fair we just, yeah, we just really don't know. And so I just know I felt better, but I had to go deeper because like I said, people think they're eating gluten-free, something that's packet, uh, you know, packaged food, a highly processed food that it's healthy for them, you know? And then I got to going, I'm like, oh my gosh, seed oils. Oh my gosh, seed oils. Seed oils are in everything. Seed oils was because again, we do these packaged foods. Think oh, we're going to go back to the kids. Think how many parents feed their kids like granola bars. And what's the big one that people do? Goldfish. You know, babies are eating goldfish. Cheerios. Things that are full of glyphosate. They, they know this. They've actually went and tested these things and know there's glyphosate in them. So we just really need to empower ourselves. And like I said, educate ourselves. And just so that we know, hey, this is what's in these products. So it just it just led me down. And then I went to um, uh, IIN and became a nutrition health nice. coach. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of an amazing journey going on. And I love what you said because I know that, yes, you're on this other end of it now. But you also kind of knew intuitively um, in the beginning that this, this was something. There's something here. And, and clearly there was, right? You get to mm -hmm. keep learning this stuff. It's fun. Uh, the glyphosate thing, man, we got to eventually do a whole episode just on that because – it's so tough sometimes trying to figure out, yeah, when did this all start? Why is this happening? Because even Reed himself, he was working with people, you can say, like us, 20-something years ago. So this is not that yeah. new. Like, it's definitely worse in my generation. We're seeing it everywhere. But this is a problem that's been developing for a while. Um, and what precisely started it, I don't know. I mean, you even go back to the days of Weston A. Price, and he was originally studying the diet stuff because people's jaws were changing. So we've been doing something wrong for a very long time. And then we just keep stacking more and more stuff on. But I love what you said about is it a gluten issue or a glyphosate issue. Uh, the the counter argument to that might be, well, I can measure in a food sensitivity test that you're reacting to the gluten protein. My counter to that, and it's, it's purely hypothetical, I'm not a PhD or a researcher. Um, and I never, ever, ever, ever talk about anything um, vaccine-wise on this show just because I don't know enough about it. What mm -hmm. I will say, though, is a phenomenon we've seen is that when you inject someone with a vaccine, which might be useful, this has nothing to do with the vaccine itself, sometimes we have proteins in there like an egg protein. Mm -hmm. And it is known that the person or kid might develop an egg allergy when they got that vaccine. Now, you wonder, well, what the hell was that? Why did that happen? And where I'm getting hypothetical, and I've, I've thought about this a lot, is okay, well, if that can happen to the egg, it was almost like the body got something bad that it reacted to and it just reacted to everything that was a part of that, right? And the egg protein happened to be a part of that. Well, wait, what happens if we throw glyphosate on all these foods and the body's actually reacting to glyphosate, but mm -hmm. 
but it can't kill it, right? Because we keep getting glyphosate. And then it just starts reacting to the foods that it's most um, exposed to. I don't know. I have no idea, but I have wondered that often, like, is the glyphosate being mixed in with certain foods and our bodies perceiving both of those things as bad because they're found together? And we do know we in America, especially, um, I mean, it's doused in glyphosate. They genetically mm -hmm. modify the wheat so that it can survive uh, glyphosate exposure. So I don't know. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I, I find it to be an interesting <sighs> hypothetical. Either way, don't consume it. <laughs> but right. Yeah. And it is. It's a very deep thought, you know, but um, I, I, I guess my thought is, why would someone think? And let's let's use our brains here. Why would someone think it's only going to kill the bug? It's only going to kill the bug. Does it go away? Does it no longer um, stay on that product? You know, and then you're consuming it. You know, our our intestines. You know, our digestive system is what touches or what the outside touches our digestive system. You know, from our mouth to our anus. That's just how it is. So if, just like in my case, the GI doctor, you know, I asked him about food. I asked him about gluten. He did have me go do a celiac test. I was not, I am not celiac. It doesn't mean I don't have a gluten intolerance or a glyphosate intolerance. But, you know, I mean, we have to really think about these products. They're touching our inside. You know, I understand there's environmental toxins and they can, again, glyphosate. You know, I used to go out and spray weeds. So that's another, that's another subject. So I think I was really, truly full of glyphosate. Um, and I know that for a fact because my chiropractor tested me and he's like, you have glyphosate in your body. And this was before I was diagnosed with cancer. Okay. So again, could have been from the food, could have, I guarantee it was from both, you know, but we're giving younger and younger and younger kids. Like I said, people are giving these to babies, Evan, you know, they're feeding them these, these these pesticide ridden foods and thinking, okay, my baby likes this, you know, it, it, it's just sad because I say it on my podcast a lot, a lot. I watch parents who will buckle their children in, right? You think of the safety of car seats. It's like no other anymore. They will make sure that they're safe. You know, they're buckled in They're They're not wearing a jacket when they're buckled in because you don't want that, you know, between the buckle and them, but yet they go feed them these products. You know, would you would you give your baby a teaspoon of poison every morning? No, but you are. You are. And people need to be thinking about this. And now that I'm a grandma, I, I think about it with my grandkids and I tell them as much as I can tell as much as they'll listen to me. Right, Evan? Yeah. 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 Well, and it, this is a it's just a tough it's a tough one in general. And again, it'd be kind of cool to do something just on the whole glyphosate mm -hmm. thing and the issues with that. But. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Even with people like us who try to eat super well, uh, the chances mm -hmm. are if I had a sensitive enough test, we'd probably still uh, show in our urine that we have glyphosate in our body. So it's like, I don't mean this as an alarmist thing. That's why I was hesitant with saying it because I never ever want to come on here and be pessimistic or you know scare the crap out of everyone. Because And you probably remember this uh, very well. When you're in the initial stages of this, you can almost get a little bit neurotic um, mm -hmm. or orthorexic about it. And, and now you're really scared and the fear is a stress on your body, right? That's not worth mm -hmm. having either. But there's also reality and reality says I wouldn't put money um, for me not having glyphosate in my body, despite how well I eat, just because I live in America and I'm exposed to suburbs, right? It's not like I'm in the most rural area. So it's kind of crazy uh, what's going on with that. And I've already almost 
I'm joking, but I almost got sued one time when I was talking about Monsanto on here before mm-hmm. and the scummy things that they do. So I, mm-hmm. I don't want to get us almost sued again. Uh, again, complete joke. <laughs> no, no, we don't. And and I didn't want to get off on a tangent on glyphosate, but I am in a rural rural area. We live in Colorado. There are cornfields around us. You know, there are cornfields across the street from my granddaughter's high school. Mm-hmm. You know, so and they spray. Evan, I've watched them in the morning with the plane that comes and sprays glyphosate, you know? So it is an environmental issue too. Like you said, I don't eat it anymore. I don't eat these products, hopefully, that have glyphosate, you know, um, pesticides on them. But yeah, it, it, it is, it's not scaring people. It's empowering people. We yes. need to empower people. Yeah. And no, I, and don't worry, no, you're totally good here. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's one of the scummiest companies ever. And if they do sue mm-hmm. us, it's just going to blow up the podcast. So please come, come give me a lawsuit, Monsanto. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, anyway. Yeah. Come so, talk to me too. <laughs> <laughs> right. What you had said before though, I, I want to go back to, because you talked about how could anyone, you know, think that this is a good idea to, to spray mm-hmm. on food. And it kind of goes back to a point we were mentioning for a different reason earlier. Most of us, us two included, we don't think we wait for the TV or the news to tell us something is bad or something is good, and then we go do it. So why does everyone do the seatbelt thing? Because it has been so put into our heads that mm-hmm. not doing a seatbelt, you're just stupid, right? You would actually yeah. probably say something to a family member if you heard the dinging of their seatbelt uh, notification thing that wasn't on, right? Um, if their seatbelt wasn't on, that is. You would tell them, what are you doing? Don't you know that this helps you? You probably can't list the stats off the top of your head. You probably don't know how much it helps, but you've been told this is what you have to think. And this is a, I don't mean it in, in any one side or the other. This is a very large scale issue for a variety of reasons that have nothing to do with just health, in my opinion, where mm-hmm. we are just relying on these electronic boxes uh, to tell us what to think and how to think. That's pretty darn scary, especially when it comes to our own health. And the ultimate proof of that is what you brought up with parents, uh, specifically moms, because moms mm-hmm. are the best. Moms mm-hmm. want their kid to do as well as they can. Moms would die for their children, right? If they say, yes. you got to die right now, but the ch- uh, kid gets to live an extra week, they say, take yeah. me out right now. That's just how they're wired. So my point in mentioning that is they would never ever intentionally do something that would harm their child. And I think this is where it comes down to. We're not thinking. Uh, we're all way too busy. We're on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to go to school and then we got to go to college and then we got to work a job and then we got to you know, have kids of our own. We're so damn busy all the time that even the smartest among us usually don't ever get a second to sit down and actually just think, what am I doing on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Does this mm-hmm. make sense? Are these my thoughts and decisions? Or did something like a TV tell me that this is how I'm supposed to live and think? I mean, it's really crazy. So for you now, I mean, you're a mom slash uh, grandmom. I'm guessing that kid's probably pretty young. That's your grandchild since you're 55. How are, are you? Uh, older <laughs> kid? And, um, my oldest is 16. My oldest granddaughter is 16. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Um, So how are, well, even better than in a sense, because that's mm-hmm. good for the conversation of, I mean, they're in the teenage years. So you said to the degree that they'll listen to this stuff, uh, mm-hmm. you try to help. Like, are they adopting any of the habits at all? Like, do they get it <sighs> that, hey, grandma basically doesn't have cancer anymore, largely because of the positive decisions that she's made? Yeah. And I want to back up just a couple things. Sure. It only matters when it matters. Mm-hmm. So people don't think of things, Evan. And I know because I've talked to people, it only matters when it matters. You know, I've told people, do you know what's in those Cheetos? They don't care. You know, it only matters when it matters. And then, you know, um, when you when you talk about our my grandkids and stuff, I 
I have to tell you, we are so highly marketed to, and think about what they do to our kids. They have food scientists. They make things taste good on purpose, you know, so that people aren't, aren't users, they're heavy users. And if your, your audience hasn't heard this, it is true, my friends, look it up. Again, I went on a whole tangent of, of things and just went down a rabbit hole going, oh my gosh, what is happening to us? We're being told these things because, you know, it, it needs to be quick and easy. Moms are busy. You mentioned it. Um, all, all those kinds of things. But my grandkids, I, first of all, I became the weirdo in the family. I have to tell you because my family eats the standard American diet, the drive through diet, all those things. I became the weirdo who no longer ate gluten, even though my daughter was, was doing it before me, you know, um, and it just was, it was finding out what food and nutrition did for our bodies. So yes, they are starting to listen. I love when I get a text from my daughter-in-law or my daughter and they say, what do you think of this? You know, what do you think of this food? Let, let's research it. I love that, Kevin. I love going and seeing things. Okay. What is it? Should you be eating this? And it's pretty simple. If you don't recognize an ingredient, we're going to go back to the ingredient side. If you don't recognize it, your body won't either. So people think, oh, it's okay. The FDA, <laughs> we can get into so many things, but the FDA allows this. It's okay. Not true. Not true. Not true. Just because it's sold in the grocery store does not mean that it's okay. You know, there's so many things that are added, you know, gums and, and even like cheese shreds because God forbid you shredded your own cheese has cellulose, which is wood. Why do they put that in there? Because we all have to have a cheese shred that looks like a cheese shred. It shouldn't crumble. It shouldn't do these things. So they've created this um, weirdness behind people that eat well. And we're, it, thankfully it's getting less though. You know, that being an FDN, people are starting to go, okay, this is great. You know, we're getting more companies. I, I love it, Evan. We're getting more companies that, yes, it's still a cookie, but it's not full of glyphosate. It's not full of seed oils. It's not full of sugars, you know, wh whatever it is. Um, so it's just awesome that we're coming into this. And yeah, it's, I love it when they hear it from me, but then they hear it on the outside too. It's <laughs> yeah. not just crazy Mimi knows these things, you know? Yes. Well, we need something as you talked about, it doesn't matter really until it matters. Mm -hmm. You have to have something that comes in and breaks up the narrative. And I, my God, I could spend hours on this. Just again, health aside, I love this conversation of where do all these things come from? Like, how does this actually happen? Mm -hmm. Right. I, I just, it's fascinating to me. Like, how do we actually get here? And you look at some of the stuff that's going on. And initially what happens when we deal with these issues, not everyone, I guess, experiences this, but you want to blame the pharmacist. You want to blame mm -hmm. the doctor. And then you go to your doctor and you're like, well, that's not really a bad person. And you're like, I know a local pharmacist. They're a great person. They don't mean malintent on anyone. And then there's really only two options after that. Either this is just complete chance and a complete accident, or you go up high enough and there's some people that you know, are a little less empathetic to the average Joe mm -hmm. um, and willing to sacrifice our health and our well-being um, for the sake of profit. I would have to imagine. I was just going to say profit over people. Yep. There is a saying called profit over people. And if people don't think it's all about the money, think again, you yep. know, um, and, and that's where it comes down to, you know, it's not just these manufacturers. They have food scientists. They have food scientists, Evan, mm -hmm. you know, they're going to make as much money off of these products as they can. 
you know, and what, what a great place to start the younger generation, the kiddos, you know, because they really don't know. They eat food that they think tastes good. And you just had someone come on who said that, you know, people just think, you know, it tastes good. I don't care. Yeah. Again, until we have that moment where something kind of rocks our world, um, when you've been told this is fine, this is fine, this is fine, this makes sense, and then something comes and rocks that narrative, that's when we are forced to start thinking again. Uh, we mm-hmm. had someone on the show somewhat recently. Uh, interestingly enough, they were eating like super well, super well, and got a cancer diagnosis. And she said it rocked her world because she thought she was doing better than 99% of people, and perhaps objectively speaking, she was, and yet this mm-hmm. still happened to her. So um, that was the questioning in a bad way, right? For most of us, like I was living the normal American life. I was a kid for gosh sake. And all these things happen and you finally just sit down and say, this isn't working. This doesn't make sense. I'm being told this and it doesn't add up. Um, or it's like the people in my generation, right? Some go to college for something extraordinarily useful and it works out great and that's wonderful. And then others were told, you know, just go to college and no matter what you do, it's going to work out. And really they don't have a job afterwards and they have fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 in student loan debt. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of tough. So you almost need these uh, painful experiences to kind of mm-hmm. rock your world and say, Hmm, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone for that specific major, or maybe I should have stopped after like $20,000 or $10,000 in debt or whatever it might be. And, and I think these are all growing pains. I think there is something beautiful on the other side. Um, I know that from firsthand experience and secondhand because of people like you, uh, other guests that come on this show and the mm-hmm. stories, a lot of the times are the people going through hell, but now look at what they get to do with the rest of their lives. They get to help uh, empower people and do all these wonderful things. So if you had some, I guess, practical advice as we, as we start to wrap up here a little bit, where would you start if, if you're back to square one, like you just had your firstborn, you're a new mom. And and, and I'm saying this because the younger generation is not going to be listening to this. The 15 year old most likely is not going to listen to our podcast, right. um, nor would they really have the ability in, in most regards to change their health situation, right? The school food's still going to be the school food. Mm-hmm. Whatever's mom and dad are buying, that's what mom and dad are buying. So what would your advice be to maybe like a newer young parent um, that has a kid and they want to do the best that they can? They put the seatbelt on the darn kid, right? And they want to do that same kind of thing with food. What would you recommend? Mm, read your ingredients. Read your ingredients. Pay attention. Go online. Do all the things. No, you don't have to be a fanatical mom about it. But you know, you just said it earlier. It's like something innate in you. And especially as a mom, you're going to go, hmm, should I be feeding this to my child? Stop making it all about convenience. Life isn't always convenient. It really isn't. And let me tell you, when you get sick, it becomes very inconvenient. So when everybody uses this, you know, okay, it's quick, it's easy. I got to hurry through, whatever. Plan. We talk about meal planning. You know, there's so many things but pay attention to what's around you. Pay attention to the people around you. What do the people around you do? You know, you mentioned it. You know, if you're maybe, you know, lower class, maybe everybody in your family goes to 7-Eleven and gets a hot dog. I don't know, you know, but pay attention to the things that are around you because I guarantee you can make it better for your child. Maybe it wasn't great for you. You know, I, again, my mom may disagree and go, you know, we just ate food. But it wasn't the way it should have been. You know, it really should have been thinking more about us as children, what our safety was. You know, you we mentioned about the car seat. It is a safety issue. It is, Evan. It's, it's wanting your children to be healthy, smart. You know, it could be changing. 
you know, there's food dyes. I mean, we didn't even get into that kind of stuff, you know, and I can tell you as an adult, and when my kids were younger, my breakfast was actually um, Gatorade and, and I know we're mentioning names and um, goldfish. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, that's what I would have. There you go. Jeez. You know, and, and, and again, because, you know, I was running the kids to school, but just, I just want parents to do their best. You know, no one's asking them to know everything. I mentioned it at the beginning. I got a cancer diagnosis. I was not schooled in cancer, but I'm telling you, it's very easy. They make it, and I'm going to say they, the manufacturers, you know, social media, it makes it seem very task heavy and it doesn't need to be. You can make good things, good food for your family, easy planning, meal prepping. And, you know, I know with the baby, it may be different, but you can even do that for your baby. Shoot. I do that for our new puppy, Evan. You know, I, I read the ingredient, ingredient labels on dog food, friends, yep. on dog food, because it's that important that she has the healthiest life that I can give her. And this is my pet. So I think just people need to really pay attention to the ingredients. If you don't know what it is, don't buy it. And thankfully, again, we're getting so many companies that are creating these products that are healthier. They don't have additives. They don't have a shelf life that's going to last for three years. That's good. That's good. This is the, um, I, I don't have too much time to go into it, I guess, but this is the bittersweet part about, you know, living in a society that does focus so heavily on the profit side of things, which uh, might need to happen to some degree. What do I know? I'm not an economist, but my point is they respond to the demand of the market. Mm -hmm. They yes, respond yes, to the yes. demand of the market. So if you start saying, we don't want this, we want this, we're going to spend mm -hmm. our money here. You've mm -hmm. seen major companies now, whether or not we trust them is a different story, but major companies have really switched a lot yes. of stuff based on what the consumer knows. And so, you know, I, I have a friend, we go back and forth all the time because I'm like all for empowering the people, right? He wants, you know, to trust the government to do all this stuff. I just, I don't see that practically happening. Um, no matter who's running it, I don't see that happening. I'd rather do stuff like this where we empower people because I know that the companies will follow the profit. And so if the people are empowered enough, if there's enough of us screaming from the rooftop saying this stuff, mm -hmm. they have to change by definition. Um, and I'm not saying I like this, but the truth is they don't care. And the, mm -hmm. again, the good thing about them not caring is that means they're going to respond to whatever we do. So we right. need to have the personal responsibility to be educated enough to start thinking, you know, turn off the damn box that's in your house that you paid money for just so it can tell you the most crazy stuff ever. Think, does this make sense? Is this what my kid would eat? Is this what my kid would do? Is this how my ancestors mm -hmm. would have gotten to where we are today? Does it make sense that 60% of Americans have one chronic disease and 40% have two? I mean- just common we sense. We didn't even get into that. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to round to this, I think. You and I, um, <laughs> it's nice getting to do a podcast with you so recently and then coming on uh, right after because this is something, we have a good flow and I, I'd love to have you back. So Karen, where can people find you? And let's be very clear too. What do you do and offer for those listening? Oh, well, first of all, you got to come listen to my podcast because I have amazing guests like you, right? So the Healthy Allies podcast. I am a function or a, I'm not functional. I am an integrated um, nutrition health coach. So I can help people just like this because people are lost in when they get overwhelmed. And I want to say moms and again, busy, busy wives or whatever. It gets overwhelming. 
it's really a lot easier than they think. And I've been through it, friends. I, I can help you. I can guide you. So I'm a nutrition health coach. Um, they can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and my podcast. It's all Health Yeah Life. Okay, so it's all Health Yeah Life. And I just wanted to say one quick thing, just to uh, sure, preface please. what you were saying earlier, is we're voting with our dollar. We're, you're voting with your dollar. So once we start doing that more and more, and like you said, I think we are, we're seeing more people go, this is not acceptable. So when you vote with your dollar and you don't buy these products and you buy the other products that are better, that have, you know, less crappy ingredients, whatever, um, then, then it does matter because it is, I, I get it. These companies want to make money, but I have a couple of things for your listeners. If that's okay, if I, I mention yes. them. Okay. You're good. Okay. First of all, if you go to healthylife.com, you'll see everything I do. Any blog posts, I have recipes, I have different things, but I also have two things for your listeners. And one, if they go to healthylife.com and then slash improve health, they can go in and they can get uh, my habits to improve your health, um, your health, you, your health instantly. Mm -hmm. And then also, since I do gut health, because of having colon cancer, because of having like dysbiosis and stuff, they can go to healthylife.com and then slash gut health, and they can get the um, seven secrets to good gut health. So if anyone wants those, make sure you go grab them. They can also reach out to me, Karen, and it's spelled with an I, K-A-R-I-N, at healthylife.com. I will talk to anybody, Evan. I will, you know, respond to any questions anybody has, reach out to me because I want to help those in need. Again, I don't want anybody else to suffer in silence. I think you could be, you know, because we have a bunch of people that just deal with health issues that listen to this, trying to get tips and tricks. I think also um, a really cool kind of potential collab here uh, might even be with some of our FDN practitioners, right? While they're doing this lab stuff, they still need, your clients need to be doing the things that you teach, you know, and you mm -hmm. have to have both, uh, depending on how sick the person is. So it uh, could be some really cool collaboration opportunities. We can talk about that after. Now, Karen, our signature question on the Health Detective podcast for you. I know I kind of asked this in, in more of a general way several minutes ago, but this is a little bit more specific. So the signature question that we have on the show is if I could give you a magic wand and you wave it and you can get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health. So that means you can either force us all to start doing one thing or you can force us all to stop doing one thing. What is the one thing that Karen gets us to do for our health? Mm, read those ingredient labels. <laughs> okay. I figured. And that is you very know, good. And you know what, Evan? I love when I'm in the store and I flip something over and I see someone next to me doing the same. I'm like, I love you. So people are out there doing it. So it's not as hard as it seems. Look at it. Yeah. If it's something you don't recognize, put it back. Thank you so much for coming on today. I'm looking forward to having another conversation with you. It seems, again, there's more here. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you.